I'm ready. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? I was feeling a little bit of Robin Williams there. Just a little bit. Yeah. Good morning, Liberty. We had a request to do that from the private group, and uh, I forgot about it when I first started talking, and I realized I was supposed to do that. Mm. So when I got to the words, I was like, okay, let's so that's do it. what happens when you, you, if you join the live group, you can submit requests. You change the show. You, you are know? part of it, mm-hmm. literally part of it. So Good Morning Liberty, actually, no, go to goodmorningliberty.us slash, no, that's you see, not this is what happens when... You know, you, you just show up and do shows. You go to joingml.com. Joingml.com. Yeah, See, do. I had it. Yeah. Join. Yeah, totally nailed it. GML. Yeah. Good morning, Liberty. Joingml.com. Mm-hmm. That's where you can go. Okay. We, uh, listen, there's a kerfuffle going on around the world right now. You're, Besides my, what I just have with mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. As far as the world goes. Gotcha. It, it's a mess. Mm. It's a big mess. And we're going to have to talk about a little bit of it. Get your brains. Gas prices going up like crazy. Oil hit $139 a barrel overnight. Mm. I believe it came back down some today. So what what are we going to do? We're going to have to talk about a little bit of, a little bit of this. Literally, I so I left town Thursday. I want to say I filled up for like $329. It did pop up. Yeah. Driving home on Sunday. The, I think the cheapest I saw was three eighty nine. dollars yeah. In Tennessee now. Now, mm-hmm. I know you Californians <laughs> and New Yorkers have been paying $18 a gallon for 30 years. All right? I understand that. But for Tennessee, where it's God's country, mm. it's still a lot of freedom here. The gas, over $4 a gallon, we haven't seen since aught eight. Yeah, it was uh, four. I went to Illinois this weekend. It was four twenty a gallon in Illinois. Mm. And I filled and they, up. They passed a... Uh, weed yeah the legislation i paid so. i paid 390 in tennessee before i went to illinois didn't buy any gas in illinois and then i got gas in kentucky on the way back for 390 mm. again so didn't have to pay the illinois prices you just submitted all your carbon mm-hmm. i gave them some of my carbon <laughs> and then i left and that was about it so let's talk about what's going on with this whole thing as you know there's a bit of a war that's going on mm. And we're trying to figure this out, this whole oil thing, because it's uh, looking like we might end up shutting off our oil purchases from Russia. I think it's going to happen, or at least a significant portion of it is going to happen. That's going to have some ramifications that people are going to have to be ready Mm -hmm. for. And we need to talk about the libertarian theory behind this whole thing. I've got a lot of, I got a list of questions later on. Like, is it true that where goods cross borders, armies do not? Um, Is it okay for us to, can we always do this free trade all the time? Are there ever instances where we need to stop the free trade between different countries for any reason? I'm not saying we should. I just have a lot of questions that I think libertarians are going to have to steel man really hard Mm. to be able to make it through the next few years because it's not going to be easy. It's not. Anyway. That's true. Anyway. I I think, well, we can get to it, but I think you do have to have some reserves. I mean, if you think about your personal life, Mm -hmm. right? If you're out there investing and freely trading, you have to have something to fall back on a little bit. 
So you got to take that personal responsibility, I think. Um, and you know, I, I'll be one to say perhaps Trump was a little bit right on mm. Trump apologist. I'm not, I'm not a Trump apologist. I know you were such a coup supporter, Charlie. What I'm saying is it's something to think about. It's worth listening to that. Perhaps maybe we don't need to be inner, like energy self-dependent, like, but perhaps we should have a, a quick plan or something in place where if it's possible to be energy independent, I think we, and we could fall back on that pretty quickly. We'll talk about that here in a minute. The whole energy independence thing. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. I think the biggest thing we can do is get ourselves as close to a free market as we possibly can, which I prefer to just be a free market and not just getting close to it. Uh, But ending all of our restrictions that we have on the production of anything would be important Mm. right now. Anyway, let's get through some of these news items. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Listen, relationships take work. We all know that. And we all know that we would drop everything to go help someone that we care about. Just think someone in your family or one of your friends is going through a tough time. You do anything to help them. But how often do you give yourself the same treatment? This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one you have with yourself, whether it's hitting the gym, making time for that haircut, or even trying therapy. You are your greatest asset. So invest the time and effort into yourself like you do for other people. Now, Charlie has been using BetterHelp for quite a long time. He has really enjoyed it. I've used it as well. And let me tell you, some of the most important moments of my life happened when I was talking to someone about what was going on. I still remember the things that I was told to this day. Just imagine if you could get that same thing and how much it would help. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Good Morning Liberty listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com GML. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. From Newsweek, first up on the on the dock from Newsweek, U.S. plots ban of Russia oil talk of Saudi Arabia deal sparks anger. 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 The Biden administration has been criticized of reports that the president's advisors are considering a visit to Saudi Arabia to try to convince the kingdom to pump more oil. Hey, Kingdom, can y'all pump more? (laughs) Turn them pumps on. The plans, which have not been confirmed, were reported by Axios as oil prices soared by 10% amid U.S. and European threats to ban Russian oil over Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. Brent crude, the global oil benchmark, spiked to a 14-year high of 139 a barrel amid supply fears following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. However, talk of U.S. officials going to Saudi Arabia was widely criticized by people on both sides of the political spectrum who cited the kingdom's human rights violations during the Yemen war. We're going to have to talk about Yemen when we talk to Scott Horton Mm. here soon. Omar, a Democratic congresswoman from Minnesota, tweeted, Our response to Putin's immoral war shouldn't be to strengthen our relationship with the Saudis, who are currently causing the worst humanitarian crisis 
on the planet in Yemen, which you don't hear about, by mm. the way, very Why? much. Uh, Yemeni, Yemenis, 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 Yosemites. Might not matter to some geopolitically, but their humanity should. This is a wildly immoral act. So we'll shut off Russia for invading Ukraine, but we'll strike a deal with Saudi Arabia because, you know, Yemen, mm, yeah, they don't matter as much. Yeah. And this, what's interesting is, is our relationship with Saudi Arabia, uh, considering lots of things, <laughs> 9-11 might be one of them, but doesn't matter. Uh, it's just, did they have anything to do with January 6th? That's the question. Okay. We don't have to worry about 9-11. It's now Jan 6th. Yeah. That's what okay. we have to worry about. So when it comes to this, there could be the free trade argument. Look, okay, we need to get as much oil as we can. But then also there's this really weird hypocrisy thing that I think people need to figure out where we're going to stop buying from Russia because what they're doing in Ukraine, which is terrible and they shouldn't be doing. And the Ukrainian people have every right to defend themselves. And I hope they win. Just get all that stuff out there. Okay, uh, that's all terrible, but stopping buying from them and then switching to Saudi Arabia, that kind of sends a weird message that we just truly don't care about what's going on in Yemen, probably because we have something to do with what's going on in Yemen. So we really don't care about that. So we're going to go into this next article here just to brush on this a little bit. We will be talking to Scott Horton not too long, uh, not too long from now. So we'll be able to get all the, the juicy details on this. I just thought this was an interesting perspective, and I've already had these thoughts over the last couple of weeks as this has been going on. Like, what about all the other human rights violations, the places that we've been bombing all around the world? Where has the media been on all of those things? Where's all the video? Where's all the outpouring of support? Where, where is it? So this article comes from Mint Press News. It was the best one I could find about this. Tears for Ukraine. Sanctions for Russia, yawns for Yemen, arms for Saudis, the West grotesque double standard. Quote, we're brutally bombed every day. So why doesn't the Western world care like it does about Ukraine? Is it because we don't have blonde hair and blue eyes like Ukrainians? Uh, this person, this father of four, asked about an outpouring of international support and media coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the lack of such a reaction to the war in Yemen. I'm not reading this to make the argument that this is some kind of deep-seated racism. I think it's more than likely uh, due to economics, I, I would say, is, is the reason that it's been so different. Mm. But you do have to recognize the massive difference that's gone on here with all the places that have been getting bombed by us, by Saudi Arabia. You, know, you talk about Syria, we had Libya, we had Iraq, Afghanistan. Iran. You, you did not see this. You saw it right at the beginning of Iraq and Afghanistan, the, those kind of things. But you don't see all these pictures of what we're aiding in in Yemen. Over the weekend, a member of Tom Rhee's family, that was a guy earlier, was killed and nine relatives injured when their family home was targeted in a Saudi-led coalition airstrike. I'm going to be putting some pictures up here. The third one will be a little bit... Um, distressing we'll put it that you guys have all been hitting those buttons on twitter when you click on stuff about the war anyway that it's okay to view those so we'll run a few of these through here so you ask about the obvious as the russian invasion of ukraine continues an outpouring of support for ukrainians continues to be seen across the western world severe sanctions against russia have been imposed by the u.s europe australia and the west in general 
amid a flurry of emergency talks at the UN. The speed of Western retaliation has raised eyebrows among Yemenis who have endured a relentless bombing campaign and deadly air, land, and sea blockade for 2,520 consecutive days. Lord. That's yeah, quite a bit Yeah, in quite a long time since well, Thursday. Well, I want to point out real quick that this is interesting how, how powerful the corporate media is at defining the narrative. Yeah. You know, and, and how much people actually pay attention to what's going on. It's not like corporate media is probably not aware of what's going on in Yemen. It's just, they don't make the top stories. They're and, not talked about 24 seven, like everything else. I mean, you turn on any news channel right now, CNN, MSNBC, Fox news, it doesn't matter what it is. And it's all about the war in Ukraine. And they might think there could be other issues here. Let's just be honest. They might think that their viewers just simply wouldn't care as much. There's a lot of, there's a lot of possible things behind it. Maybe they don't have a proper villain that they could talk about. Like with Russia, it's pretty, it's pretty convenient. Listen, what Russia's doing wrong, and like I said, I hope Ukraine wins this. They need to defend themselves, and I hope they do a good job doing it. But Putin and Russia presents a very interesting villain, and the news needs to talk about that villain. I think a lot of times that's what they're really talking about, is who, is who the villain is. And in the news story and with all of the talk about the right and Russia and Trump and Putin and all of that, it's very convenient to be able to show pictures of Trump invading Ukraine, essentially. Yeah. The right wing invading Ukraine and killing these people. The Putin apologists. Yeah. So perhaps if Ukraine is full of Nazis, America's supporting Nazis and they don't care about Muslims. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe that's it. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that that's right. Mm -hmm. I'm saying put that in your think tank and brew on it. (laughs) Since Thursday, (laughs) since Thursday, the Saudi-led coalition, supported by the United States, has launched more airstrikes in Yemen than Russia has in Ukraine. In Haja, a province surrounded by heavy Saudi artillery, Saudi-led coalition warplanes launched more than 150 airstrikes, killing scores of civilians. As news cameras... And solidarity protests gave much-needed sympathy to Ukrainian civilians. In Yemen, warplanes bombed a number of densely populated areas. An additional 160 airstrikes were launched on the provinces of all of these different names of provinces. The main entry point for commercial goods and aid into the country facing the worst man-made famine in the 21st century. While the U.S. readies massive shipments of arms and military aid to Ukrainian freedom fighters defending against Russian invasion, Yemeni rebels downed an American-made MQ-91 drone flown by the UAE and two American-made Boeing in-situ Scan Eagles. So they, uh, they go into the comparison here. The tragedy in Yemen has been much more deadly than that in Ukraine, where 325 Ukrainians, including 14 children, have tragically lost their lives, according to Ukrainian officials. Granted, the war in Yemen has raged on for six years, but comparably, the numbers are astonishing. Since 2015, the death toll has reached an estimated 400,000 people, including 3,900 children. Mm. So that's not good. Those deaths have included attacks on civilians, so egregious that they did garner fleeting media attention. But inevitably, no sanctions, little international condemnation, not even a cessation in the military aid and support to the perpetrators. Bombed out schools, funerals, wedding halls, refugee camps, even a school bus full of children targeted by the most advanced U.S. weaponry 
have not been sufficient to elicit the reaction that Ukraine has garnered in less than one week. Now, is it possible because it's U.S. supplies and weaponry is why the U.S. is like, ooh. I I would say that's highly probable. I can't say anything about this because, uh, yeah, those kids were killed with my support. Yeah, and you, you, um, you have an issue here where it crosses political lines also. You have Obama involved in this, and you have Trump involved in this, and now you have Biden involved in this. So there's no clear political motivation that the media can go with here. Mm. Everyone's the bad guy mm-hmm. in this situation. Now, let me turn it the other way. Is it possible that, you know, we are in a way allies with Saudi Arabia, let's say, and the fear is that Putin is not going to stop with Ukraine. He's going to go into NATO allies. And then we're, because we're allied with NATO, like we're trying to stop Putin now Mm-hmm. So he doesn't get closer and what's happening in Yemen over the last six years, uh, you know, it's not as important because what's more important is a potential nuclear war with Russia. We have to stop, you know, all that. I'm just asking mm-hmm. those questions. I'm That's, not. That is a potential. Could also be the potential that uh, we don't use a lot of resources from Yemen. And so we don't care quite as much about that. Ukraine does have a lot of resources like uh, wheat and corn that they export to the very important natural gas. Um, They've obviously got the capacity, the ability to put out a lot more natural gas and oil more than likely. Although I don't think their economy has been able to front them being able to do that yet. But anyway, there's a, I think it's a big economic thing. I really wouldn't put it on race like what this article is because we've seen the news dominated by stories of race victimhood perpetrated by the establishment the the whole system the systematic racism of of police and all of that and that's been plenty fine being a narrative over quite a long time so i don't know if race would really be the the issue here um it might also be the case that when you look at a country not as a third world country but maybe uh maybe closer to the society that you see yourself in, not that Ukraine's real close to that, that you think, well, things aren't supposed to happen in a place like this. You know, stuff like this happens in countries like this all the time. Mm. If I cared about this, I'd just be sitting around, you know, about ready to off myself every day worrying about atrocities in countries like this. Mm. I'm not saying any of that's right. I'm just, you know, I don't think it's racism. I think it does have to do with the U.S.'s involvement in what's well, going on. Yeah, and I think that's the actual yeah. problem is that we're supplying... Saudi Arabia with all the technology that they are using to bomb innocent civilians. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. So that didn't have a lot to do with the oil conversation, but they're talking about talking about getting, uh, uh, being closer with Saudi Arabia. And that to me doesn't make much sense if you're switching from Russia, because what they're doing in Ukraine to switch over to Saudi Arabia considering what they're doing, although with our help, in Yemen. Mm. That whole idea doesn't make any sense, and I would prefer that things make sense. Some more disgusting statistics at the bottom of this article, Nate. Uh, Since 2015, 266,000 airstrikes have taken place, according to the Yemeni Army Operations Room. And they also say here that uh, more than or seventy percent of those strikes have hit civilian targets. Mm. Um, so that's 
pretty disgusting if true. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Say it's half that. You know, that's still not good. Yeah. I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, it's it's completely awful. Uh, and yeah, yeah, over what? I mean, you know, part of me the libertarian position is like, okay, these are their wars, you know, like what what do we need to do in either one of them? Right? I mean, there's something to also be said for sanctions against Russia like all that does is we talked about this before. All it does is hurt the actual people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's innocent Russians in this too, innocent Ukrainians, innocent Yemenis, you know, innocent Saudi Arabians probably too. Yeah. And so it's like, what you know, what are we doing that actually? What is what is supposed to be the libertarian position in all of this? I mean, for the most part, it's not total isolation, but it's like okay, we don't live in a perfect world. So as what you mentioned, where goods cross borders, enemies do not. Well, that's not necessarily always true because you could be in free trade with someone and then all of a sudden there's an evil person who has power and they just want to use bombs because it sounds fun. Yeah, I think it's fun to blow stuff up. I really think that libertarians, I'm not saying that we're wrong on on everything. Um, I think that a lot of mistakes have led up to where we are right now. And you definitely can't say it was a libertarian foreign policy that led to where we're at right now or libertarian economics. But does libertarian have a solution to what's happening right now? The libertarian solution to what's happening right now. It's a really tricky situation. I think we need to steel man all of the arguments as much as possible. Uh, like when it gets into this this oil, we got a thing from uh, Elon Musk here. It really didn't mean for this to be about be about musk we've talked about him a lot lately but we're gonna have to do something about oil production and actually production for everything if we're gonna make it through the next couple of years because i don't think it's as bad as it's about to get mm. which yeah that that would always be a true statement i think mm. so anyway um this as is my uh, grandpappy always used to say can always get worse <laughs> it will always get worse. Yeah, something like that. All right, go lots ahead. Of, lots of comments in the live group, though. I want to kind of address some of these. Which is, um, is it possible Russia doesn't care a whole lot about the destruction of the ruble because of their supply of wan, uh, uh, wan and gold? Um, I also thought that same thing. I brought that up a couple, I think, a week or two ago. That over the last twenty years, Russia has dramatically reduced its uh, dollar reserve and increased its gold and uh, one one reserves um and so yeah and oil so i mean even if the u.s stops buying oil from russia they they can obviously sell it other places yeah um i believe 80 percent of germany's energy is dependent on russia's natural gas 70 percent i 70 percent something like that um so that's one thing uh, the other things i wanted to address here too um, which is how far can we distinguish the distance between a government and its people? I would ask the question of, it would be like someone stopping you personally from doing something, a normal everyday activity. Um, because for instance, like shutting down the internet or whatever it may be, uh, because of our wars in the middle East or, or whatever that may be. So, like, for instance, you know, Joe, if you couldn't heat your house tonight because of the sanctions placed on the United States, and so we ran out of electricity, I mean, is it your fault? Should you suffer the consequences of 
of the politicians. I, I understand what you're saying because obviously in America, we put those people in power, for instance, because we vote democratically. Um, I think Russia still has a vote, but I'm not sure how valid it actually is. Yeah. Um, so in these other places, people take positions of power and it's not, it's not really a representation of the people though. They are subordinate. Uh, the people are subordinate to, they need to be insubordinate Mm -hmm. and churlish. Exactly. If they were just those things, (laughs) yeah. What a world we would live in. But I do think it's important. Now I, we've talked a lot about how we don't, we, we need to minimize the destruction of a normal Russian's lives right now. Like for instance, right now, I can't imagine being the owner of a Russian cat, you know, mm. that would just be awful. Um, no, we need to try to not destroy their lives. Imagine you can't use PayPal, Venmo, mm-hmm. Google pay, Apple Visa pay, MasterCard or shutting Visa off MasterCard. Yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. It's going to be like, bad. What you, and then, okay. And here's the other problem is you're feeding right into Putin's narrative. Putin can now go on RT and be like, I told you, like well, all you're doing is is you're increasing the support for an evil dictator, let's say, because I'm not a Putin shill. The guy is a bad person. Okay, now look, the, all you're doing is you're literally feeding the narrative. He just has to go out there and be like, look, there's no food on the shelves because America hates you. Yeah. You know, you can't use the internet because America hates you. I told you this was going to happen. Now look at it all happening. You think that my military operations, which are one one hundredth of what the United States does around the world, actually caused all this? No. What really happened to you was the West decided that they hated us because we're becoming powerful. And it's so easy to flip the narrative. And now, now the population is behind the war, whereas they weren't before. Um, Now they are. And so... It's a, it's a, it plays right into Putin's chess game. The guy's not dumb. He's not dumb. I think you could look at how well our embargoes in Cuba worked and taking away Cuba's government and creating a nice, pleasant, free speech democracy down there. I don't remember how long we had embargoes on them, but it was quite a long time and it didn't exactly work. And so the question would be, does this, so the, the, the idea is that you're going to hurt the population to the point that they're going to rise up against their government and, and install a new government or elect a new person. And you are effectively waging war on the population of the country and the government by trying to change the views of their population and get them to overthrow their government or at least elect someone else. But does that actually work? I understand the idea behind it. I I get it. You're going to put a lot of pressure on them. They're going to see that it's Russia's fault. Although in some of the censorship we're going to get to here here in a minute, um, are they going to see that it's Russia's fault? Or are they just going to see that it's the West's fault? We don't really know when they control everything. I think you have a point that when the people are completely subordinated to the government, they can't do anything when does that responsibility shift from the people uh, that are underneath that government to it just being the government's responsibility? Because I really want to keep the emphasis on, like in America, this is our responsibility. This is what we're doing. This is our fault because we still have pretty free and fair elections. We've got a fairly free press and a really 
uh, you know, a lot better economy than what a lot of other nations have. We can get online and we can see all this information. And so whatever it is that we're doing around the world, it is to me still right now on us that we stop our governments from doing this. And you can, you can do that by not just going with whoever MSNBC or Fox is telling you needs to be elected and in office. You can do your own research into the candidates. You can quit being so lazy when it comes to, to elections, when those elections cause the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people all around the, all around the world, you can quit see, being so damn lazy when it comes to the elections and try and get the right people in power. But the people haven't done that. So I do think that there's some responsibility, but then again, is it on everyone? For instance, I voted for the right dictator to be in power. It's that guy over there. He's the one who voted for the person who did that. I didn't. Don't blow up my house, sir. Blow up that person's house. You know, we started this off by saying this is a kerfuffle mm. if I ever seen one. Yes. And what hurts is that we have no moral authority to go tell Russia like, oh, Russia, what your government is doing is evil. Don't look at what we've been doing all around the world over the last 20, mm -hmm. 30, 40, 100 years. Don't look at any of that stuff at all. What your government's doing right now is terrible and you need to come along with us so you can stop attacking Ukraine and just help us kill people in Yemen. There you go. That's what you need to get behind people in Russia. We'll stop attacking Ukraine and we can just kill brown people. Yeah. Yeah. Now look, I, I'm not saying that I'm the uh, superior being of moral... <laughs> Of morality. I'm glad. Okay. But um, it took me a long... I, I'm going to out myself here. And right after 9-11 happened, and because uh, before that, I didn't know what a terrorist was. Mm -hmm. And uh, the media defined what a terrorist was for me. And I was, I was so angry that someone would attack us because we were free. I, I literally believed that. At a time now, when two when nine eleven happened for me, I mean I was thirteen, fourteen years old, somewhere around there. So I was a young, impressionable mind. And even as I got older, all the way up until two thousand eight, two thousand nine, even two thousand ten, um, I was so for America turning the sand into glass. Mm -hmm. Literally, I. I was so behind America, just literally wiping the Middle East off the face of the earth. Now, th see, then this is what happens. Now, look, I, a lot of people are going to say, well, we got attacked. 9-11 is different than Ukraine or Russia or whatever. That's not the point. The point I'm getting at is that when you are suffering as a community, as a, as a society, you're going to look for someone to blame. It's a natural human thing to do. And it takes a lot of thought and discussion and changing of minds to realize that that wasn't the case at all, that I was wrong back then, that that's not what should have happened. We should have figured out why something like 9-11 happened. Perhaps we started it, right? And maybe we should look inside to ourselves and be like, what could we have done different to prevent this? Not because somebody hates us because we're free. Why do they actually hate us? You know, and that's what I'm. What I'm trying to get at here is it's so easy for Putin now to manipulate everything that we're doing to his people and, and create people who are so angry at the enemy for ruining their lives and everything that they had that they want to send nukes over to the United States. They might turn the U S into glass. <laughs>
That's um, possible. While you're on I'm that, th- it's something to think about. I'm gonna. While you're on that, I'm gonna run through this New York Times article. I, I was gonna. I want to make sure that we get through it. Russia takes censorship to new extremes. I want to. I want to do this one real quick. And so this is pretty crazy. By the way, I do think that as libertarians, we have to make sure. Okay. So there's the Ron Paul idea when you go up there and you talk about 9-11 and you say, well, they hate, they don't hate us because we're free. They hate us because we're over there. That's why they hate us. We need to listen to what the CIA says about blowback and, and why they want to do this. Okay. It's not because they hate us because they ain't us. Yeah, that's, that's one thing. And when we talk about this, we do need to discuss what have we done or what has NATO done that could possibly be objectionable by Putin? What points uh, does he have? And then we also have to make sure, which I'm sure everyone does, that you completely condemn the invasion of a country that has done nothing to harm you at at all and that they have the total right to defend themselves. And I will openly root for Ukraine to win this war and for uh, and and for them to wipe out all the forces that are inside of their land right now. I think people also need to hear that from libertarians, because what I happen to see online is if there's some tanks rolling down my street Right now, the libertarians in my neighborhood are going to be like, well, yeah, yeah, we deserve it. Yeah, you got to look at what, you know, look at what Biden and Trump and Bush did. Let's just, uh, and that's what we're going to do when someone's rolling down because we did something to deserve it. I want to hear that you're still going to, you know, talk about the right to defend yourself when people are trying to take away whatever freedoms you have left in Ukraine before this even happened. Not that it was this nice, perfect bastion of liberty or anything like that. Uh, I I want to make sure that we do get that point across when we're talking about all this. There's the line of talking about why this is happening. This isn't the perfect situation. Yes, there's propaganda on all sides for sure. But also everyone's got the complete right to defend themselves. Russia's aggressive action towards Ukraine is wrong. And we need to talk about whether or not those things deserve to be stopped. And what things would you do to stop that? Because what would you do if this happened in our country? You know, they're a constant assault on New York right now from from Yemen. Yemen's just decided they're going to just have a constant barrage of rocket attacks in the U.S. Are we going to sit by and just be like, oh, well, yeah. Well, the U.S. kind of deserves it. You know, I, I get it. I understand why they're mad. We just need to bend over and take it up the tailpipe for a little bit. Sorry, your house just got blown up sir with eight kids uh but you know what you voted uh, for obama you know what obama did <laughs> so i'm sorry about your family i you know i agree with that but i also want to say i don't think that that takes away from the disc- from the discussion of what the u.s involvement has been globally and that when you want to go back to the poking the bear let's say when you talk about little kids fighting yeah and the and the, the person that's constantly instigating things and starting shit and the other one finally decides to retaliate well who's in the wrong right i mean so you have to this is why nuance is so important you have to be able to discuss all of these things because at the end of the day we want to get to a solution where the u.s stops into instigating stuff right and stops trying to be the global power that's the real libertarian dream let's say and then then when something like this happens it's obvious that it's Russia's fault and you can, and you can help. Yeah. Instead of being like, Oh, well, mm, you know, we kind of overthrew Ukrainians government because they didn't really agree with us. And we kind of helped put in somebody who was more Western. 
Same the thing we did all over the Middle East. So it's like, you know, to me, you have to, you ha- we have to get to a place where we can absolve ourselves from the, from starting shit so that we have a moral place to come from. Because I think all of those things need to be talked about. Well, I, think- I don't disagree that, that the Ukrainians should be able to defend themselves and that uh, I don't even disagree that maybe we should help. In, in the way that we can. I don't agree in going, going to wars and in boots on the ground, but, you know, I, I want people to be free. I That's obvious. Um, so I don't necessarily, but I also think that part of the discussion has to be when is the United States going to realize that blowback is real? Mm-hmm. I, I think that has to be all of it. I think right now we have to realize that there's not a perfect, I don't know that there is a libertarian response to end this situation right now, like right now, how do you actually stop this from happening? And it's, and it's done and they leave. What's the libertarian response? Even if we decided to sign a pact and say, Ukraine's never going to join NATO. You really think Russia's just going to leave Ukraine then after that and leave them alone? I don't think it has. No, because it doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with the resources that Ukraine has. That's, that's what this actually has to do with. So we have to realize that. And when we talk, like when, when we have all these nuanced discussions about NATO and uh, what Putin might actually be concerned about and what we're doing, what we're really doing is how do we stop this from happening in the future? What, how could we set ourselves up as a, as a society and as people to where this wouldn't happen as much in the future? And that's really what libertarians are talking about. But we got to make sure we talk about it in a way where we're not also just sounding like we're saying, ah, who cares? You know, they deserve it, whatever. Well, I do think li- libertarians have a proclivity to have a dissenting opinion, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're kind of contrarians by nature. So when the when the overarching corporate narrative is, yeah, go Ukraine, we got to defend Ukraine, libertarians are always going to be like, well, don't forget about this little part. You it's know? interesting that, that the so, media was supporting what Russia was doing right now and saying that Ukraine was full of neo-Nazis. Yes. And that Ukraine and that Russia was trying to liberate the, the people. The libertarian conversation would be, oh, well, Ukrainians should be able to defend themselves. Yeah, they would say like, it would be all about how uh, Putin was a madman. This is crazy. This is insane war propaganda on Russia's exactly. part. That's the only reason that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the. Anyway, let me get through this um, now, okay, free speech I, thing yes, real quick because we got to go. I want you to get through this, but what I want the people to to think about, because this is something I talked to my wife about this weekend, is um, when you think about misinformation and what the left is all about in this country, right? Misinformation, censoring things, silencing people, all of these things. That, like... Russia is the example is today's example of what can happen mm-hmm. when you, when all when you allow all of this to happen, this is some, something I talked to my wife about a lot this weekend, because the irony in this situation, because now, I mean, the woke left is like all against Russia, but it's like you advocate for the exact policies that Russia's using people in Russia are spreading misinformation, their own people. Yeah. And so that I want people to have, that mindset when you go through this. Russia takes censorship to new extremes from the New York Times, stifling war coverage. Russia clamped down harder 
Friday on news and free speech, blocking access to Facebook and major foreign news outlets and enacting a law to punish anyone spreading false information about its Ukraine invasion with up to 15 years in prison. Misinformation. Mm, Folks, false information. Fact check, false. Now you get a prison sentence. The crackdown comes as the Kremlin scrambles to contain discontent over the war and to control the narrative as Russia faces its most severe economic crisis in decades. Fearing prosecution, more independent Russian news outlets shut down on Friday and the BBC said it had suspended all of its operations in Russia. Mr. Putin signed a law that effectively criminalizes any public opposition to or independent news reporting about the war against Ukraine. The law could make it a crime to simply call the war a war. The Kremlin says it is a special military operation. In addition, the government blocked access inside Russia to the websites of major Russian language outlets that are based outside the country and the Facebook. Facebook, Russia's internet regulator claimed, had engaged in discrimination against Russian news media by limiting access to pro-Kremlin accounts. So Facebook was censoring things, and Russia is mad about that in this censorship law that they passed to get all that out there, mm. including that of the Defense Ministry's television channel. Russian officials claim that journalists writing critically about the war or calling it a war or an invasion are undermining the national interest, even referring to them as traitors. National interest. That's, mm. that's an important Besides, Besides criminalizing the sharing of false information that makes discrediting Russia's use of military in Ukraine, Uh, calling on other countries to impose sanctions on Russia or protesting Russia's invasion of Ukraine, punishable by fines and years of imprisonment. Russians will still be able to reach blocked media through the Telegram messaging app, where many news outlets have their own accounts. Some can also use VPNs to bypass restrictions. Until recently, Russia's most uncensored, mostly uncensored internet had provided an outlet for Russians to express dissent and to read news reports outside the Kremlin propaganda bubble that envelops much of the country's traditional media. But amid the war in Ukraine, which has touched off protests across the country and an outpouring of opposition from Russians online, the Kremlin appears to see the internet as a newfound threat. Mm. Mm. So free speech, pretty important, right? No. No, not important. We don't care. Yeah. Who cares? You don't want to be spreading misinformation. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be calling something a war when it's just a special military operation. Yeah, I got you. You know, that makes sense. Yeah, because then you're just spreading lies. Yeah. And we don't like lie spreaders. So as Charlie discussed in the very beginning, this is the issue with allowing the government to decide that you can't have free speech. This is why the First Amendment is the First Amendment, that they can't take away that free speech and there's freedom of the press and religion and all those things, those glorious things inside of the, the First Amendment that we uh, barely, barely protect still here in the U.S. This is why it's so important, because the very first thing that you can do is speak out, and then you can get other people to agree with your position. And when you have a democracy, some form of democratically elected government, well, when a lot of people don't agree with what you're doing and they heard about what you were doing through all those outlets, that's one of the most dangerous things that you could possibly have. And I put in here, you know, this is where the subjectivity becomes an issue. Probably like what you were talking to your wife about. We can all agree that Russia censoring talk about war is a bad thing, I would say. But what about other stuff? What if Russia had censored Robert Malone? 
would the New York Times have written this piece? What if they took Joe Rogan off of availability to be played in Russia? Would the New York Times have cared about that? Mm-mm. No, they wouldn't at all. So they care. They they don't actually care about censorship. They care about what's being censored. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with subjectivity. And then you give the government that power. You say that they should be able to have that power on subjective terms whenever you agree with what it is that they need to be censoring. Definitely not you. Other people that they need to be censoring. Then someone like Putin comes into power. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. Because, see, it's the that's the biggest problem. And I love the way that Jordan Peterson's always put it, which is, who's going to define it? Like when it comes to hate speech or misinformation or whatever, who's going to define what that is? And he always says it's exactly the people you don't want defining it. Yeah. Because this is the actual problem. And what's so ironic to me is we, you know, we've been talking about this whole COVID thing for two years now. Right. And what's so ironic to me is in talking about COVID and all this misinformation and everything that's coming out, libertarians, especially pro-liberty people, and even people on the right are saying, okay, well, you can't silence me. And they're like, well, yes, we can. And now here we have, a, you know, probably, uh, I don't know, maybe a great example of what a, a, a fascist dictatorship looks like more so than any other country right now, especially since they're all over the media, uh, Russia which is now passing laws, censoring people talking about or being able to protest, say the word war instead of special military operation. And then you have, now you have people defining what misinformation is or false information. And it comes at the expense of you. Yeah. They, I think what's really important here is to realize that this is a, this throughout history has happened Quite a bit. We know that there's been times speech has been severely censored. Obviously, it's still very censored in China and in North Korea and in many of those dictatorship, fascist, whatever authoritarian regimes that you want to call them. California. That, that it's been censored <laughs> all, all over the place. And we've got examples in history when it was censored. We've got examples of a few countries. And right now it's important to shed light on this new censorship being installed right now because we we didn't exist in that history back in the 30s and 40s when all these things that we talk about were happening. We can just talk about how terrible it was after they did it. And we can talk about China right now, but we don't exist right now in the time where they're just now censoring this stuff. But right now with Russia, you're seeing history play out as they censor speech in a, in a brand new way. And it's important to know that they might just be a little bit ahead of us on the curve, that they're making it to this form of censorship a little bit before the U.S. is. But this is the trajectory that authoritarians, that tyrants, that people in positions of power take eventually. Your ability to speak about things is the most dangerous thing, even more than guns, because people could have guns, and if they have no freaking clue what's going on, the guns aren't that dangerous to them. You know, it would be when you finally get to their house, but they're not going to be able to mobilize an army and take you over or anything if they have no idea what's happening. Can't at coordinate. All. Yeah. Yeah. So the speech is very, very important, and they know that, and that's why all of these authority you don't have any authoritarian regimes. This is part of our speech that we gave at Free Your Future Fest. We don't have any authoritarian regimes that have just totally free speech where you can say whatever you want. I'm talking about real, real authoritarian regimes, you know, not our 
bougie authoritarian regime that we live under right mm -hmm. now, you know, where it's pretty authoritarian, but you can still be free in some places. We're not there yet. Everyone's on different timelines, you know? That's what we have to understand. Some people are behind us in their timeline. Some people are way ahead of us, but we're all following the same road. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I was on Interstate 24 going to Illinois and there was also someone else who left way before me that was also on Interstate 24, but they were in different spots, you know? We were both on the same road, mm. heading to the same place. We just were in different fascism. places. Yeah, all roads all, lead to fascism. All roads lead to fascism. Okay. So I don't think we have time to go into any of the other four articles that are in the stack right now. Well, there's always tomorrow. <clears throat> we did have the... Can we mention Elon Musk one more time? Just real fast. Elon Musk. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the, uh, the opposite side of this, this is a, like a, a two-sentence story right here. Yeah, I think this is good. So um, I saw this over the weekend from Business Insider. Elon Musk says Starlink was told to block Russian news sources, but it will not do so unless forced at gunpoint. And so this is someone sticking to your principles. Like even things that we disagree with should be out there. So SpaceX, Elon Musk tweeted on Saturday that Starlink was told by some governments to block Russian news sources. Musk said on Twitter, Starlink has been told by some governments, not Ukraine, to block Russian news sources. We will not do so unless at gunpoint, he added. Sorry to be a free speech abolition. Absolutist. I can't. I don't know why. I, I was thinking abolitionist. Yeah. So that's. Notice anyway. that my, you know, my mom in seventh, eighth grade, she taught reading not writing so don't put any of the these constant issues we have over here on my mom you know he's a great writer everyone <laughs> i just want to say he's a great writer sorry to be a free yeah. speech absolutist you know and plus in the age of the iphone when everything just yeah says it like it finishes it for you yeah it makes it i i've noticed i've really declined on being able to spell and oh yeah know what words are <laughs> so <laughs> anyway okay let's go all right y'all well, I feel like that was a good episode. Great discussion. There's mu there's much more to talk about. Mm -hmm. there's, there's we didn't get into oil, and I have a bunch of stuff about that mm -hmm. right now. We didn't get into oil. We didn't get into any COVID stuff, which is gone. Mm -hmm. Now that Russia's invaded Ukraine, that was the, that's what we needed. Yeah, so maybe for, it was worth it. <laughs> for COVID to be over. <laughs> and in the words of Madeleine Albright, perhaps it's worth yeah. it. Yeah. You know? But sure. Yeah, even if a million kids Who die. cares how many people die in Yemen? It's probably, what the heck are we even doing? Could anyone tell me what we're doing in Yemen? Anyone? Nothing. Please, someone tell me why. You could tell me why we were in Afghanistan. You could tell me about Stom in Iraq. I bet Someone Yemen, tell me what we're doing in Yemen. Yemen was probably trying to go to the gold standard. <laughs> probably what it was. They're about to switch over to stable coins, just and they're like, real upset about just that. Just like Libya. Yeah. So, all right, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode, then please go to joingml.com. Joingml.com is where you can sign up to be part of the live group. Uh, if you want to be a real libertarian, there's a, that's a place where you could actually earn the badge of real libertarian. So go to joingml.com, share the show with a friend, a colleague, an enemy, share it with Ukrainians and Russians. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no reason to hold back from anybody uh, we are a free speech podcast and we're against death. So if you're against death, you'll share the show. Leave us a rating and review on <laughs> I, uh, Apple podcast and Spotify. And if you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty. <laughs>